So we're going to roll into Revelation. We're, we're in Revelation chapter 2, verse 18 to 29. All right? Uh, let me open us in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this day uh, as we continue to study your word and look into your word. Um, I, I pray that we'd be challenged today with what you tell us and what we see here as we continue to look at Christ's last words, uh, picking it up with uh, uh, Thyatira and uh, what, uh, what the message to that church said to them and what it says to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And amen. All right, as we, uh, even before we begin, I want you to know that uh, when you look in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, when you look at uh, the seven words, Christ's last words to, Christ, uh, to the churches, uh, we've talked about if you're first timer in here, we, these were seven literal churches of the day that Christ was speaking, but. Uh, not only were they seven literal churches that had both good and bad, there are a couple of them that, that Christ uh, uh, doesn't follow the plan. First, usually in each one of these, he, he identifies himself that Christ, he says, I'm the one speaking. He uses some identifying phrases. We're going to see that today. Uh, then he basically uh, kind of um, gives them a word of encouragement. Uh, except for uh, a couple. He's, he doesn't have anything to encourage him for. He says, hey, you do this well. You do this well. But then he goes to the but. He kind of gives them a condemnation. These are some things you don't do well. And that's the way it is with all of us, right? Uh, when we have kids, how many of you have said, hey, I really like what you did here, but, uh, or yes, you did that well, but, uh, and you know what comes after that is, boy, you're not perfect. And so he basically says that to all of these churches. You do this, here's who's speaking, you know, who am I? Uh, you do this well as a church, but you don't do this well. Therefore, you need to do something else. And usually uses the word repent here to all of these messages. So we're talking about seven literal churches, uh, seven clear messages to these churches, literal churches. They're probably um, analogous uh, to all churches uh, of all time. Certainly those seven churches, but if you read these, you might say, boy, that church, that's kind of like me. And uh, then you'll look at another church and say, well, maybe that's me. Uh, but then beyond that, it's not just seven churches of all, churches of all time, messages, churches of all times, messages to believers. And so uh, maybe uh, you are a Thyatiran. All right, maybe you're going to find that today. Now, when we come to the message at Thyatira, I want you to know it's the longest one. It's the longest message. We're going to break it down. Uh, if you look at words, uh, he's going to commend them for five things here in a few minutes. But uh, one of the things I think we need to address when we come to God's Word, and we're going to pick up reading in Revelation chapter 2, uh, verse 18 to the end of the chapter. Uh, when we come to his message at Thyatira, we, we want to really make sure that, um, that, that we know some things about who we are. Uh, when we come to things that we believe as God's children, uh, I, I want to put them in three different categories. All right, I want to put them in three different categories. Uh, the first thing, and this is this is the these are the non-negotiables of faith. These are commands in Scripture. These are the commands in Scripture. This is doctrine. This is a clear teaching of Scripture that we we have to maintain unity on these things. The the doctrine of the Trinity. 
All right? There is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are not only three, but they are also one. That is a clear teaching of Scripture. If you disagree with that, uh, we don't have fellowship together uh, that Christ is God's one and only Son. That is a clear teaching of Scripture. Salvation comes by faith and faith alone. That is a command in Scripture. That is a doctrine in Scripture. If you and I are going to have fellowship together, we have to agree on the clear teaching of Scripture, the clear doctrine of Scripture. Now, there's a second level uh, of beliefs that we see, and I'll, I'll refer to these as maybe convictions or persuasions, all right? Uh, these could be some denominational differences, all right? Now, these might be significant. Uh, they, they might be some significant denominational, uh, some denominations out there that have, we, don't, we don't have any uh, differences at all about the doctrine of Trinity. We don't have any differences at all about the doctrine of salvation. We don't have any differences at all uh, about um, uh, the, um, uh, the supremacy of Scripture. We hold those core values, but... We, we practice things different. We have a different persuasion. Uh, uh, some denominations uh, practice infant baptism. Uh, we believe uh, Scripture pretty clearly teaches immersion after the point of salvation. Now, uh, that's a pretty significant difference. But if you are of a different denomination that you sprinkle and I immerse, we can still have fellowship together. Does that make sense? I can still hang with you and uh, because you're not doubting the deity of Christ, you're not questioning salvation. I can believe you're wrong. And as a matter of fact, I can believe you're dead wrong and I can believe you're way dead wrong. All right? But that doesn't keep me from having fellowship with someone who attends the Methodist church down the road or the Presbyterian church down the road. Does that make sense? I want to make sure. That's a second level of, uh, of, um, uh, of difference. Then there's a third level, which I'm going to call um, opinions and preferences. These are just things I have an opinion about. All right? Uh, should we sing hymns or worship choruses? Uh, should we uh, uh, have pews or chairs? Uh, should we have, does that make sense? Those are opinions. Those are taste. Those are represented by uh, when you get into your car and turn on your radio, I bet your settings are, some of them may be the same as mine, but probably they're different than mine. Does that make sense? Those are opinions. Those are preferences. And, and we need to understand, we need to go back to the top things and make sure we are not battling about preferences in a church. Does that make sense? We got to make sure that, 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 that we are, if we're going to battle, we are battling about the clear commands and teachings and doctrines of Scripture. So when we come to Thyatira, we want to make sure that we understand those things. What are we talking about here and what does he mean? So uh, let's just uh, pick up and let's, um, uh, let's begin to read. Um, and if you think about, as we begin to read, I want you to think about today's world. The, uh, probably the number one word, if you're going to identify one word as we look around in our culture as it relates to church, it's the word tolerance. We hear that all the time. 
You know, we, we've, got, we've got to tolerate other people. You guys are so intolerant. Uh, people love to use that against us as believers, intolerant. And, and the truth is, we are intolerant when it comes to commanded doctrines. We do not deviate because if we don't have the true message of the gospel and salvation, then we've got no message at all. We're a social group. Uh, we're a very poor social group. Uh, we're, we're, we're a social club. We're a very poor social club because we don't charge mandatory dues. We don't do it well. Uh, maybe we should head that way. Um, but mandatory tithe. If you want to be in our club, you got to tithe. Uh, but we, we, we hear this word out there, tolerate. A lot of people coming to churches today, uh, they, they have the Burger King mentality. Remember the old phrase, have it your way, right? Uh, people want to come to church, they want to have it my way. Uh, I, I really like that whole idea of God's grace. I, I'm not a big fan of the judgment. So let's leave the judgment off my hamburger, all right? My theological burger, I don't want judgment there. I, I like this, but I don't like that. I like this, I don't like that. And the truth is, uh, we don't get to make those choices. Now, when we get to the place of persuasion and opinion... You can have all those choices you want. We can debate that all you want. We got some great people in our church. Uh, Michael's one. Michael still dresses to the nines when he comes to church. He really does. Uh, man, I will tell you, I, I, I don't like suits and ties. On me, I've just never enjoyed them. I think as soon as I left Houston, back before I surrendered the ministry, when I went, when I graduated from Baylor, went back to Houston, I'd wear the, the, the full suit, had to, just because the office tie, man, and I'd be sweating by the time I got up into the office. And as soon as I had the opportunity to take that tie off, I did. And so there are people who are persuasion. Those, we can debate over that all the time. Is it too casual or is it too formal? Does it need to be more formal? Those are opinions. But we never should compromise the clear teaching of God's Word. And so we're going to see one of those areas that we talk about here. So look at Revelation chapter 2, uh, picking it up in verse 18. In verse 18, let's first of all talk about the character of the one who's speaking. Remember, this is Jesus speaking to the seven church. Christ is the head of the church. Here's what he says, pick it up in verse 18. He says, to the angel of the church at Thyatira write. Uh, that word angel, if you want to write it in your notes, uh, it means messenger. He's speaking to the pastor, the church leaders of, of Thyatira, those, those top dogs, those messengers, those leaders in the church there in Thyatira. He says, to the angel of the church in Thyatira write. I say these things. These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. Now, if you heard these words all the way through, he, he, Christ self-describes them in a little bit of a different way uh, in each message to the church. Uh, this one, he asserts, first of all, his absolute deity. He says, the Son of God. Jesus says, I am the one and only. I am the only begotten from the Father. For, for God so loved the world, Jesus said that he gave his only begotten, the one and only Son of Jesus. That's who's speaking here, the only begotten of the Father, Jesus Christ himself, whose eyes, listen, then he talks about his head and his feet. He says, whose eyes are like a blazing fire. What is he saying? 
He's saying Thyatira, and I will tell you, if you go back and look at some of the other ones, uh, if you look at some of the other messages, uh, he didn't describe himself this way. He says, my eyes are penetrating. They are like a blazing fire. And let me tell you what, fire destroys everything. Anybody see what's going on right now in Northern California? Uh, it's, uh, the wind is blowing at 50 miles an hour, and it is just mowing down everything. And what he's saying is, my eyes see everything. I see every crevice, every crack, every difficulty, and I burn it all up. Really, his description is one of judgment. If you don't repent... If you don't change your ways, uh, bad things are going to happen to you. Bad things are going to happen to you. So he says, the eyes are like blazing fire, and my feet are like burnished bronze. What is he saying? I'll burn you up, and I'll stomp you out. All right? I'll set you on fire, and then I'll put it out. This is a message of judgment. He is saying, I have a word to speak to you, and it's not lovey-dovey, all right? It's not come give me a hug. It's, it's you're out of line, and I've got something serious to say. So that's kind of the character of the one who is speaking. Uh, Jesus isn't speaking to this church as a buddy, as a friend, uh, as someone he's going to give, uh, um, uh, give knuckles to or a high five. All right, Jesus comes in, and he's got something serious to say. Now, as we jump down, look at verse 19. He, he, he does what he always does. Remember, I said there's kind of a natural pattern. He says, here's who I am. Here's who I want you to see me as. And now, if there's anything I can praise about the church, he says it. And that's exactly what he does. He picks up, and he says, you're not all bad. Um, and I want you to know, um, before, even though he comes speaking his judgment, I love the love of Christ. Because this is probably the longest, if you do it in just actual words, uh, this is the longest commendation he gives to any church, any of the seven churches. And, and he gives them a pretty good one. And, and why? Because he knows the heavy hand's coming, okay? Christ knows the heavy hand's coming, so he really wants to praise them for what they do right. And we're going to see, just as we saw last week and the previous weeks, when Christ speaks to the church, he's not speaking to everybody. Because what? As long as we live in a world that is sinful, we're going to have some people that are sold out, that are walking with, uh, in favor and grace, and some people that are lower, they're struggling. And in other churches, you've got more that are struggling and, and fewer that are walking by faith. So he's not talking to everybody, but notice what he says. He, he gives them a commendation, and, and we always want to, and I want to encourage you in all these, remember the reason we study these churches because they are sim- emblematic, uh, they are um, uh, symbolic of all Christians of every day, and so some of these things may relate to you. Don't step back and just gain head knowledge. Ask yourself right now, could Jesus say this about me? If Jesus was standing here talking and not me, and he was speaking with eyes that were blazing and feet that were made of iron, would he give you this commendation? All right, so let's read it. He says what? He says, I know your deeds. Remember, he said this over and over again. He says, hey, here's who's speaking. I know your deeds. I know your deeds. I know your deeds. Here are their deeds. He says, I know the good things you've done. He says, your love and your faith and your service and your persevering 
and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Really, if, if you look at that, he, he commends them on five things. Really, it's four plus, all right? What does he say? He says, I know your five things. First of all, I know you love. He says, man, I, I, you love you love people. He says, you love each other. You love the world. You love people. Uh, you're looking to reach out with the gospel. Uh, that's the Greek word, by the way. That's the Greek word right there in that love. Uh, that's not a lower level love. That's agape. He says, you have a sacrificial love for those in your community. Man, that's what fall festival is all about. You have a sacrificial love for those in your community. We give it away. We give it away. He says, you have a love for other people. You overlook other people's struggles. You love each other. And he says, that is a good thing. Notice what else? He says, your faith. Man, faith is that you have a strong conviction about what you believe. He says, man, that's, that's number two. You have an incredible love for other people. You have an incredible faith. You have a strong faith. Then notice number three. He says, your service. Your service. That Greek word service is diakonoi. It's the same Greek word we get our English word deacon from. He says you've got an incredible love, an agape type love. He says you have a credible faith, a faith that is growing, that is strong. He says you have incredible service. In other words, man, you serve. You're looking for a place to serve. Now, remember, here's where I'm asking you, would Jesus say this about you? Would Jesus say, you really do love people? I, I will tell you that, that just as a pastor, uh, there are times that I've, I've looked around, I've known people in our church, they are clearly sound in their doctrine. They have a strong faith, but they have no love for other people. I know some people that have a lot of love have very little bit of faith. Little faith. I know a lot of people that have a lot of love a lot of faith, but they don't do squat at church. They don't. They're just, they're just spiritual porkers. They're just feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, serve me, serve me, serve me, serve me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And then they go home and they think that what church is about. Church is about serving them. That wasn't this church. Man, he says, he says man, I, I, I see that you serve. You're active. You're active in the community. And then he says what? I know of your perseverance. That, that's the Greek word. Hupomon. I mean, I, you are bearing up under intense pressure. You persevere. You endure hardship, and you endure difficulty. How many of you would love for Jesus to say Jesus those four things about you? Absolutely. Right? Now, and then here is, it's either the fifth thing or the fourth thing plus. Notice what he says. He says, and you are doing more of these now than you did at first. What is he saying? He's saying, hey, when I look back a, a few years ago, you guys love more today than you did a couple of years ago. He says, when I look back as a church at your faith that you had a couple of years ago, guess what? You've got more faith now. He says, guess what? When I look back at your service a couple of years ago, you serve more now. He goes, when I look back at the perseverance you showed a couple of years ago, you show more perseverance now. Those are good things, right? Let me ask you a question. If you step back and graded yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you do? 
Do you love people? Do you love this community? Do you love those in your church? Do you love your church? Do you love the lost more today than you did years ago? When you look back at yourself, do you have a greater faith today than you did a couple of years ago? Is your faith growing? When you look back at yourself, do you serve more today than you did a couple of years ago? When you look back at yourself, do you endure more hardship and difficulty for the gospel? In other words, you press on. Do you do it more today than you did a couple of years ago? If the answer is no to either one of those, before we even get to the condemnation of this church, not our church, this church, just remember, if that's not you, Jesus wouldn't be saying that to you today. Does that make sense? I mean, anytime we look at what Jesus says and gives a condemnation to another believer, I want to be like that, right? We want to be like that. So I, if you leave out of here having a better understanding of Thyatira, and think it doesn't apply to you, you've missed the point. I've missed the point. Does that make sense? The point is that my love would be growing. My faith would be growing. My service would be growing. And my endurance would be growing. If that's me, then I could have received that commendation. And, and how many of you agree, would agree we would probably be all, we would all be better off as a church if we all could receive that same condemnation, commendation? We'd all do that, right? Some of you aren't raising your hand because you said, I'm out. Uh, they, we would. All right, so now Jesus, understanding who we are, we all need encouragement, right? There's the encouragement. So he set it up, but as we always see, just like we do with our kids, here's the yeah, but. There we go. All right. Here's the big but in the room. All right. Here's the big but. Notice what he says as we pick it up in uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 20. He says, nevertheless, I have this against you. What is it? You tolerate that woman Jezebel. Yeah, I've often wanted, you know, we're a whole J family. I, I used to kid my wife uh, every time we'd find out one of our kids was going to be a girl. I said, Jezebel? Jay? She, she never bought into that. I was like, sweetie, we'd have the only girl in the church named Jezebel. And she just looked at me in that same look she's looked at me since uh, she said, I do. She says, you tolerate that hag Jezebel who calls herself a prophet, by her teaching she misleads servants into sexual immorality, into eating food sacrificed to idols. He says, I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. Now notice, I've given her time to repent of her immorality. He goes, so I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit. Now, remember last week what I talked about? 
but there are some of you, that's what we said last week. Remember, most of you are faithful, but there are some of you. Here, he says, I am going to, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. He says, I've given her time to repent, but now I'm going to put her on a bed of suffering. And those who follow in her path... I'm going to put them on a bed of suffering unless they what? Repent and change their ways. And he says, I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds. Remember the blazing eyes, uh, the eyes of blazing fire and the, um, the iron legs and the stomping. Uh, he says, and I will repay each of you according to to your deeds. Now, we always want to make sure that as a church that we hold uh, those, uh, those things in tension, uh, if you want to put it that way, love and sound doctrine. We hold them in tension. It is so natural and so easy, and we can all see churches. It's tough to hold those two things in tension. I want you to know. Um, Growing up, uh, uh, we, we called it, I was a baseball kid. One of the things, we didn't have a lot of things that we did, but one of the things we used to love to do, if you, got, if you had three of us, you could do it. You could go out in the backyard or someone's yard, and you'd play hot box. Now it's called pickle. How many of you remember? You'd have two bases, you'd have put a guy in the middle, and you'd try to get the guy out. And if you got him out, you got to be in the middle. Uh, that's a hard place to be. It was always a lot easier to be on one, one end, right? You, you didn't have to work quite as hard. You didn't have to run quite as hard to be on one end or the other. Uh, a lot of churches uh, have a tendency to release one side of the tension and move all the way to love and kind of ignore doctrine. It's, I want you to know it's easier to be that way. Other churches, they'll release the love and move all the way to sound doctrine, right? Man, you, we've already seen that, right? He's already talked to the church in Ephesus. He says, you do this, you do this, you do this. But you've lost that love and feeling, right? Remember the church we looked at last week? He says, man, you've gone down the slippery slope. You love, but you don't have sound doctrine, that's a tough tension. It's a hard, I will tell you, as a pastor, it's a hard tension. And if you look at it, um, it's a difficult tension for us today. Why is that? Because we live in this intermediate space, right? We are of the earth, but we are citizens of heaven. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? All right. I live in the world on my way to another world, Right? But part of my call is to be salt and light in this world, right? And if we aren't careful, we will lose that tension. Um, there are always Christians and groups of Christians who lose that tension, that, that holding of love and doctrine. And I want you to know, it is a battle as a church, there, there are some churches and, and groups uh, and groups of people who want to totally separate from the world. Anybody here of the Amish? They, they, they've, they've just chosen a certain time period and a certain frame to, to live. It's, it's neat. Uh, every once in a while they do that Amish mafia or whatever. You see it on TV. But, but here's the reality. They've chosen a time. They've chosen a generation. They've chosen a place. This is how we're going to live. And we're going to live dedicated to God, right? Let me ask you a question. Are the Amish 
winning people to Christ? No. Why? Because they've rejected the world. Now, there are other churches and other believers who they've so accepted the world that they've rejected sound doctrine. Okay, you want to live that way? Come on. You want to act that way? Come on. Guess what? They're not winning the world for Christ either. They might gather people around them in their position, but they're not moving people towards faith. I want you to know it is a tough haul to live here. It is a tough tension. We struggle with a staff all the time of continuing to maintain an engagement with the world while at the same time not becoming the world. And I will tell you, that is a scale. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And there, it is a tough balance. And there are people in our church, uh, leaders in our church, that, and they love Jesus, who, who, who they struggle with some of the things that we do to reach the world. They want us to be more separate. There are some leaders in our church, they love God and they love the world. They want us to be more connected with the world because how else are you going to share the gospel? Does that make sense? That's a tough tension. And you know what? Churches need to live in that tension. Now, here's what, it, here's what he's saying here. He's talking about Jezebel. How many of you remember the Old Testament story of Jezebel? All right, you remember Jezebel? Uh, she married Ahab and, uh, and man, basically said, hey, set, give me a bunch of prophets of Baal. Remember Elijah and Mount Carmel and stuff like that. Uh, let them off into Baal worship. Here's what I believe about this. He's not literally talking about Jezebel. She's not Jezebel reincarnated. I think Christ has given her a name. I think this is a literal lady. I believe this is a literal lady he's talking about who's in the church. And I believe that she started talking, and you can see what she's teaching in the church is, is it's okay to sleep around. Because notice what he says. Uh, he, he says she's drawn you off um, into sexual immorality. Uh, she misleads some of my servants into sexual immorality and eating food that is sacrificed uh, to idols. He says, I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. I believe, I believe that he is talking to a literal lady. 